0: Faith here with a welcome toast. It was George Meredith who said, Kissing don't last, cookery do. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We've got a whole pasta special, Back Pocket Pasta, is the book we're going to focus on. And these are how to use leftovers to do quick dinners, a little bit of pasta, lots of things added, still good for you, and so satisfying. So we can't wait to talk about that book. We're going to talk a little bit more about pasta and why it's gotten a bad reputation throughout the years, and we're going to make you feel good about eating your pasta. That's the other thing. Uh, My treasured food buddies are here, senior contributors Chris Prosperi and Mark Raymond. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. Robin Doyen Aiken is on the show with us, as always, and she's our senior producer. All right, let's start with it's grilling season. It is time to get the grill out. And start to get it in shape. Sometimes it will be a rainy weekend and you think that's what I'm going to do. You're in – if you have a garage, you're in the garage. You're on in your back <laughs> uh-huh. fire escape wherever you live and you're starting <laughs> to get it all put together. Mark's grilling apparatuses
1: are in the garage. So I think he's not dusting off, right? You're been be grilling all year that. round. You may be changing what you're <laughs> grilling me. It's definitely time to get it out and start using it. Yeah, Absolutely, dig so yeah. it out. Yeah, and I'm grilling vegetables. That's what I want. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's not in season yet. I'm grilling zucchini, just green anything vegetables. you can get your hands. Yeah, on. yeah. And I, to, and I love eggplant. Yeah, and what I love doing is grilling it all first, and then cutting it into slabs as big pieces I can to grill. I toss them with olive oil, salt, pepper, and a little bit of curry powder because I like that little zing it has. And then I. Lay out the things on the grill. I grill them one at a time. So all the zucchini, all the eggplant. I even do tomato halves, onions, eggplant like you said. Um, Asparagus. I'll even grill cauliflower and broccoli. And then once I get each grilled, I put them on a sheet pan and then one by one, I chop them on a cutting board and throw them in a bowl, drizzle balsamic, extra virgin olive oil and fresh basil in it. And I have a grilled vegetable salad that you can – Eat just like it is, Mm -hmm. mix in with pastas, put under fish. Throw some
2: feta in. Throw
1: some feta in and make a – yeah. I mean it's a base that you can use for 800 other things during the week.
0: What a delicious sounding thing. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things that I like to do is uh, grill lettuce because lately in a couple of New York restaurants, they have tossed that on the plate. Mm. And it's reminded me, oh, yes, I used to do this last summer. There's no reason we can't start it now or if you're an early griller. So just slicing that head of lettuce in half lengthwise – And then brushing the sides Mm. or just tossing the whole thing Mm. with some olive oil and salt and pepper and putting it right on the grill until it starts to char a little bit. And then you've got uh, – it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Romaine works
1: great. But I've also done frisee, you know, that frizzy stuff. Uh, Just think about the heartier ones, escarole. Look through your grocery, right? It doesn't have to be salad greens. It could be those other greens. And then
0: you can chop them all up and mix them together. And these things, you know, we keep coming back to pasta because these are great under fish. Oh, yeah. uh, you could load a baked potato with these grilled vegetables. And that brings us back to pasta again. I guess we're going to go kind yeah. of pasta crazy on the show. Can we get into pasta for a second? Because it has gotten a bad reputation. And people are so afraid of it. Now, Italian restaurants will say, that's not true. We've got a million people ordering (laughs) pasta. But it's almost become a special occasion thing. Oh, no, these are empty carbs. So, Chris, in terms of how Europeans do pasta, what do they have to tell us? Because they will have pasta once a day. And yet... People aren't the size of houses. So –
1: And I learned it from my friend Nico who lives on Lake Cuomo and he made a pasta every single day for lunch and – it changed the way I thought about pasta because when I was making pasta before, pasta was the main ingredient. Does that make sense? So there's a lot of pasta, some sauce and maybe some chopped up vegetables or meat or whatever in it. But the noodles or the pasta was the main part of it. And the way Nico and his mom taught him this in Italy is the pasta is part of the dish, not the whole dish. So they chop up Everything, like 50 percent vegetables, 50 percent pasta, if not more on the vegetable and meat side and less on the pasta side. So these pastas are loaded with pancetta and broccoli and zucchini and tomatoes. But
0: describe, for instance, the broccoli because I've had this. When you do a broccoli pasta with a little red hot pepper – and, and, garlic, oil and garlic, and olive oil. It's the consistency of – you look at it and the broccoli looks like yeah. it's specks. And, and we never do that here. Here right. we take these big
1: chunks of broccoli and put them in our pasta and then we just like cut them or force them in or our force mouth. Force them in our <laughs> mouth. <laughs> exactly. But there, Nico – and he's the one who showed me this. He minces it almost and it becomes this little flex of broccoli. Great for sneaking broccoli in. For before, kids, yeah. But before this, <laughs> I would never eat broccoli in my pasta. Wow. But now, because of this sneaky method of basically just chopping it into small bits. After it's cooked. No, before. So he, see, and this is the well, thing. So, so this then? is what he does. Every single day, it's the same thing. He takes a big saute pan. He has his pot of water on the side boiling already. He throws his pasta, you know, gets it going, throws his pasta in, does that on the side. And then in a big wide pan, he takes a good glug glug of olive oil. And then pancetta, garlic, and onion. And he just minces those things up and throws it in the pan. And then he really just rifles through the fridge. and sees So what's uh, it could yeah. be whatever was left over dinner or he always has fresh vegetables. So whether it's zucchini or broccoli, he chops all that stuff up really fine and not nicely, just sort of roughly. But he keeps chopping it until it's little, little bits. And then the garlic and the pancetta are cooked. He throws his vegetables and he starts sautéing it, getting it nice and toasty and caramelized. Then he will throw in some fresh pepper or tomatoes he always uses a little bit of stock. In Italy you get great bouillon cubes, so he uses that, but here we just use it out of the you know, out of the carton. A little bit of broth yeah, goes in there.
2: Exactly.
0: And then goes into vegetable mixture. It goes yeah,
1: so you cooked all your vegetables, you got them nice and caramelized, you hit it with some broth, then your pasta's done, you strain your pasta, you mix that all in, you throw in some parmesan cheese, and that's it, bring it to the table.
0: You're saying though that in terms of numbers, that pasta Is far smaller Mm -hmm. in terms of portion of the dish than all that giant vegetable. Yeah, so you have
1: if
3: that's the key.
1: Yeah. So if not fifty percent more than fifty percent of this pot now is vegetables and pancetta and all this other stuff, and it doesn't matter. It could be chicken. It could be shrimp. Every day it changes to whatever he had in his fridge. And he puts the pasta
0: in that pan with all the vegetable mixture. Always
1: mixed all together. Yeah. And then he just, gee, if it's the long, like spaghetti, he just deals it out on each bowl, and then he takes the top, you know, the sauce and the vegetables, and just dumps it all on top, and boom, there you go. And every single day, that. it's mm-hmm. the Doesn't best that pasta. does sound
0: like a good idea? It's, yeah, well, it's well that's a great what we're, we're fresh, going to be talking about that next. Coming up in a, a little bit later on in the show, we have the author of Back Pocket Pasta, and these are what are called inspired dinners to cook on the fly. And I love this. Colum great Henry. recipes. Great Yeah, recipes. yeah, yeah. So we're going to get to that. Now for the uh, devoted. <laughs> the, the,
2: or as the I de- like to call them, crazy. <laughs> no, the the, no, the no, diehard, the, the passionate.
0: Diehard. passionate. Go ahead. We're talking the, to you right now. For the religious, <laughs> <laughs> you make your own pasta, which they don't even do in Italy anymore pretty much. Oh, come okay, on. They no, still do. Not
3: so much. <laughs> not, not so, so much. much. You know. Okay, come on, on a Sunday afternoon and it's cold out and you're looking for something to do and you've got the day – My sister and I uh, got together over the weekend and we made homemade pasta. Now, Mm -hmm. I was given for Christmas this year – let me just say this, an attachment for my, for my KitchenAid. Oh, aid yeah, the electric to, one. You know, yeah. th- so it yeah. stretches the pasta. And, and, and rollers. The rollers, right, oh. to thin it out. And yeah. then I've got a fettuccine cutter or a spaghetti cutter. Nice. Now, I've used this in the past with my mother-in-law would always make the homemade pasta. And mm-hmm. she'd bring the dough over, and then I'd help her stretch it and cut it. And she makes amazing spinach noodles, which yeah. we all die for, with just mm-hmm. a beautiful, simple, you know, tomato sauce with either meatballs or sausage. But this weekend, I was like, you know, my sister wanted to get together with the kids. I said, hey, why don't we make some homemade pasta? So I looked the recipe up online, and I had never actually made it myself. And it's so simple. You make a little well, you know, with about a pound, maybe two pounds of flour on your countertop, and... In the middle, you break your eggs. You throw in a little kosher salt, a little olive oil. You scramble those eggs, and slowly you just take in the flour into the dough, and it thickens up slowly. And then you get it to a point where you can just knead it like a big dough ball. You have to <laughs> let it sit for an hour. And then while this is happening, everybody's gathered in the kitchen talking to each other. It's just another reason to get everybody in the kitchen talking.
0: What about taste?
3: The taste is incredible. And I to me... Sometimes, you know, when things are processed, you just don't know exactly what's going into them. Although we do know we do have some great quality dry goods out there now. I mean, there's some great pasta that you can buy in the stores nowadays. And I'm not discouraging against that. I use that. But, you know, when you've got a little bit of time, it's a fun – it takes me back to when I was a young, young kid, about seven or eight. And my grandmother (laughs) used to – actually, she didn't have, obviously, a KitchenAid – she would stretch out the dough, and then she'd put a sheet on her big bed, and she'd cut the dough by hand, and then she'd lay it all out on the, be- on the on the sheet on her bed to dry out for the afternoon. Later wow. in the day, she'd have the sauce cooking all day. We'd have a big pasta dinner. And yeah. that memory is just like burned in my history. So I, when I think about things like that, I'm like – you know, if we're making the dough in front of the kids and having a good time and having some conversation, it's something that they're going to remember, remember as well.
2: Yeah,
1: and I'll even say because making my own pasta goes against everything I believe in <laughs> <laughs> being the lazy chef. <laughs> because there's, if you could get good one, why make it? But if you make this on a Sunday afternoon and you turn it into a family event – I think that transcends like making dinner, right, the, the yeah. way you were yeah. talking about it? Yeah. It wasn't about just the pasta. No, you, you could, all. Yeah, you could have easily got a good pasta
3: and thrown it in a pot of boiling water and it would be done with it, but you turned it into the event. So inspired by my dear friend Chris Prosperi and, and all the dishes that he's done for us here, here I am, I'm making this pasta and I'm mm-hmm. thinking in the back of my mind – wow, if I had a little fresh sage and I blended this in to the pasta and I made like a sage tagliatelle and then I made a a lamb ragu, and oh, my God, there's so many different things I could do with this over the weekend. I'll I can make you, this so much fun. I'll give you a quick pasta
1: tip from my, when I did make pasta in the days. If you take your – so you rolled out your sheets, right? Yeah. And you got it to the exact thickness you want it. You do another one just like it. So you have two equal sheets. Now your sage, your basil, all your thinner leafy herbs. Take one sheet, lay it down on the table, and then take your leafy herbs and put them on top. Lay them nice and flat on top all the way across the whole sheet. Yeah. And then take the second sheet and lay it on top, right, right? and then feed it back through. It's amazing to see. It will actually not just press it, but it press it in. It will actually stretch. Out the basil and, and sage leaves. Wow. Cool to see.
0: This reminds me, this idea of gathering around making something, it's very reminiscent of Inviting your friends over to do a pizza party right. or the taco party. right? So whether we're talking friends as family or actual family, that gathering around this project that you make together and then sitting around talking until it's ready. Right. Having just, a g-
1: couple
3: glasses of wine.
1: And you can make it fun know. and do colors too, like you were saying. So before your guests <laughs> arrive, cook off some spinach. Squeeze it dry, right? So take it in boiling water, blanch it, squeeze it dry, throw it in the food processor with a little bit of olive oil and pulse it into green paste. Put that in a little bowl. Then do the same thing with beets. That will give you red pasta, Ooh, right? If yeah. you know a good fish market, you can get squid ink oh, yeah. and you can mix that in, that will be black pasta. And then you can have everyone make a color. Especially if you get the kids involved and then right. you put them all together at the end. It's pretty cool. Oh, that sounds oh, so my good. Goodness. Now
0: and we have uh, – we don't have to wait so long. Coming up <laughs> on the show, a couple segments, we're going to be talking with Colu Henry who is author of Back Pocket Pasta. These are how to do pastas really fast using leftovers, using whatever's in the pantry – Uh, in the refrigerator, inspired dinners to cook on the fly. That's what we're going to get into. And with this philosophy that we've been talking about, whether we call it European or just a more sensible approach to pasta, it enables us to have it more often, where pasta is the smaller ingredient. And all the rest of the stuff in the dish takes up the larger portion, but you can have pasta every day, Sophia Loren style, and she is our goddess here yes. on the show. Yes, <laughs> <Right. so laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: she um, is.
0: All right. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope, as always, you'll make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry, because there are many. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back.
2: Cornbread had a fight. Beans, bean's knocked cornbread out of sight. Beans cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans meet me on the corner tomorrow night. i be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. I'll be ready to tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. That's what Bean said to cornbread. cornbread.
0: I'll be Would you like On Demand? podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze Party every week in your inbox. Well, that's how you find our terrific food, wine, and cocktails, and join us for an entertaining time together. <laughs> I, you know, that's that's how it works. We've got recipes, everything attached to this. All you do is sign up once. You go to our, our site, foodschmooze.org, enter just one thing, and then it just comes to you every week, and it means you can listen on your schedule. If you're in the car, you're working out, you're going for a walk, anything. Cooking dinner. Cooking dinner. <laughs> Making pasta. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't sleep in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, listen to the food All right. I can't wait because in our next segment, we're going to talk to the author of Back Pocket Pasta. Mm
2: -hmm. How to use
0: the stuff in your fridge or on your shelves, you know, in your pantry, as they say in a luxurious way, to just throw together these instant pastas that are so good. And in our philosophy, the noodles are not the biggest feature in the dish, but all the other stuff. There's even a poor catapas. So we're going to get good. to that. So <laughs> good. Hey, let's do some spring foods. You know, Robin, you and I are fans of artichokes. I do tend to order artichokes more in a restaurant because they're a little thorny and they're a little hard to work with and hard to clean and there's a lot of prep that goes into getting that final reward of that delicious artichoke. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. You,
0: you are the best setup person on earth. Yeah. I learned <laughs> it from you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here's why we're talking about this, because we have two things. We're going to tell you about what you can do to make those fried artichokes that absolutely knock you out when you're in a restaurant. We're going to tell you how you can do it at home. And we're also going to show you how to clean an artichoke in our new video Nice which, which is at our website Foodschmooze.org And we have our own Mr. Prosperi Doing it for you A master The man and The master mm-hmm. of artichokes And okay. this is like One of those things Where there is no Kitchen tool That can help you Do this any easier Or faster It's all about Your hands And It's
3: an art Yes It really exactly. is an art <laughs> no, it's Why just, can't... I don't
0: Okay All those spiky <laughs> leaves Fun uh, to eat If you're steaming An artichoke Okay mm-hmm. To get to the center And then the lemon And the butter thing Goes on right. Right, mm-hmm. heart of the artichoke. Right. Okay, fine. Now, what happens if you want to clean the artichoke to get to that heart center yeah. and then fry them All the right, way so the restaurants do this, in
1: beautiful olive oil? So this is the thing with artichokes. You buy this big thing and you're like, look at it. You know, it's quite something (laughs) looking at it. You're like, how do I even start? And then what you end up with is just this little heart, the center, which is the gold, Right, right? right? And there's no easy way to get there. So, two ways. One, like in restaurants, this is the way we pretty much always do it. We do it from raw. It's the hardest way, but it is the best way because then you can take that heart. And you can fry it or sauté it or steam it or whatever. And the juices that come out of that blend into – like if you're going to put it in a pasta,
2: uh-huh. you sort
1: of sauté it from Uh-oh. raw in the stuff. Fainting. Yeah. If you had it in a restaurant, you know what I'm talking about. Mm. It is one of those special moments mm. when yeah. you have a fresh artichoke in mm. something and you're just like – Olive oil. Yeah. Olive oil. Oh, yeah, oh, or just perfectly mm. fried. Oh. Oh, heaven. Now, the other way to do it is you can steam it or my friend Linda's. she does it in a pressure cooker. Mm. So you kind of just trim it a little bit. You chop off the top. You chop off the bottom. And, you know, you can tweeze it a little bit with scissors and sort of cut off some of the sharper bits. And you throw it in a pressure cooker with some water. You put the lid on. You steam it for like 10 minutes. It comes out perfect every time. But it's so easy at that point because when it comes out, you put it on a little sheet pan or whatever, let it come to room temperature, and then it just, the leaves just fall off. Well, around, why right? isn't
0: that the easiest way?
1: It is an easy way, but the center now is cooked already. It's a different flavor. It's a different flavor. It's still good. I'm not saying it's not good. But when you cook it from raw in a dish, there is some magic that happens.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is that steaming preparation? Is that what you would do if you were gonna use that artichoke then to make that really great spinach artichoke dip? Yes, that where people you stuff love? it
3: and you eat the leaves.
1: Well no,
0: I mean I no. mean like a spinach artichoke dip.
3: Where you cut it all up and chop it up with yeah. spinach into like a, a cheese. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, hundred percent.
1: That so it's already you would cooked. Steam it. Yep. Okay, steam so
0: we're gonna go with you for just a moment yep. on your trip of we're gonna cut this artichoke up to get to the heart and yep. we're gonna do it raw. Yeah. How do you do it?
1: So you lay down on the cutting board, and you cut the top of it off. You
2: lay it on its side. On its side, side and yeah. you
1: cut the top of it off. I think in the video we did about three inches off the top. Right. So now you've gotten closer to the heart, which is the gold you're looking for. <laughs> then I take a little knife, and I start with the knife. You kind of cut and pull leaves Each off. Each Yeah, so you're getting the knife in, which you hold in one hand, in the palm of your hand,
2: the with the
1: top facing up, and then you take the knife in the other hand, and you just sort of – Pull and cut the leaves down, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're sort of pulling it down and you're sort of turning it and you go all the way around it and you keep going until you get to that center.
0: Okay. Right.
1: Now, do you wear gloves? It's not like prickly as you think. It's not gonna cut mm-hmm. you. But it, it's, pretty it, sharp, it, yeah, it's pretty sharp. Yeah, it's pretty sharp. gloves gloves will help. But I mean the goal is to just do it carefully and spin it and just it takes some work to get to. And once you get to that center, I peel the stem a little bit too with a knife or you can use a peeler, mm-hmm. right? To peel that stem because that outer layer is a little chewy, so you want to get that off. And then cut it in half.
0: Cut the heart of in, the artichoke. Yeah, in
1: half and then you get out the you know that choky part. Stuff. Yeah, and you can do that with The tip of a spoon or the knife. You kind of scrape it all out and then that's it. You're done. You can cut it into quarters then. If you're going to store it, they suggest you store it in lemon and water because it can oxidize, which is turn brown. Mm -hmm. If it does, it's not a bad thing. It's just a color thing. It doesn't affect the flavor at all. (sighs) And then you can do whatever you want with these pieces. that
0: was just – how long do you think it takes you to do one artichoke to get – Two halves of the heart. Well, you can watch it in real time <laughs> yeah. on the video. Say, I, I know know mean, it's just about
1: really like a, it's just about two three minutes. <laughs> but if you think about a restaurant, we have we get a forty pound box of these things. That's and why you it's, need Peppers. It's, it's this box
0: that's like the size, and you
3: get forty little hearts.
0: And you get you get like a quart.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Now, let's do the cooking. Okay. Okay. So if I want that crispy – you know, I'll often go to an Italian restaurant Mm -hmm. that's good at this. If somebody says to me, oh, they make the best crispy artichokes, Mm -hmm. I will go, boom, make a beeline for that place and order them. Absolutely. And so, how do you do it?
1: Well, I've had it breaded or unbreaded, unbreaded. unbreaded. So you're going to cut them into oh. quarters or eighths, depending on how big they are. There's many different sizes. You can get them from baby, which the hearts will be like, you know, maybe two inches around, mm-hmm. and you can get them to where they're the large ones, and they'll be like three or four inches around. So cut them into okay. bite sized pieces, right? Because you want to be able to just take them in your fork and pop them in your mouth. And then all I do is I get my olive oil very hot.
0: How much olive oil uh, in the pan? I
1: get – I like to pan fry them. So if you look at your artichokes. You want the oil to come up about
0: halfway
1: up the artichoke piece, so maybe a half an inch of oil in uh-huh. the bottom, right? Got it. And you want to get that nice and hot. 350 degrees, optimal. I use a mixture of cornstarch and corn flour or cornmeal, and I sort of roll it in that so it gets a nice little crispy crust on the outside. Mm. And then one by one, I drop them in the oil, very carefully turn them, put them on paper towels, and then eat them as fast as they and come out. And when they're
0: golden, oh. it's time to come out.
1: And then right onto a little plate with paper towels to soak up the excess salt oil, and, and then I season them with salt and oh. pepper. And like I said, you eat them as fast oh. as they come out of the paper. Man. You're killing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can just if you like a little crunchier, <laughs> mm-hmm. just use cornmeal. But I like that combination of cornmeal and cornstarch. Can you just use cornstarch? You can just use cornstarch. It's a little cakier, I guess. Uh-huh. If you want that real crunchy bit kind of thing going on with it, I like the combination of
0: both. Someone told me you can use chestnut flour. You can use chestnut flour. Oh, you
1: that would use, be good. Yeah, you can I mean you can use in Italy they just use regular flour chestnut like, uh, has got to leave a distinctive no, flavor to uh, it, too. Though. I haven't used What
0: if you use no flour? Will they still brown in the olive They'll oil? They'll brown up, yeah. But yeah. They, again,
1: I love that. There's something about those little bits that get golden brown and charred mm. that mm-hmm. just add to. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, you eat these like – you pop them like candy and, and then they're gone. You're like, that was the whole box.
0: Somebody <laughs> has to tell me why no one has invented – Something that will make this faster. Yeah, make
1: yeah. it faster, Who, why, it why would
0: no one invent this? This yeah. seems uh... – Or
1: I would even be OK with a good canned artichoke.
0: Oh, and but the, only in Spain could you get that.
1: Yeah, and they're good. And I mean – but those are more for salads. Those are – they're not to right,
2: the fry those, right? Because right. they've been those soaking already, in water. Yeah, well, – They're oil. already
0: cooked. $60 a can. They're geniuses at canning yep. mm-hmm. things in Spain. I'm not yep. kidding. It's better than <laughs> fresh things. I don't yep. know what they I've do over him, there. I've <laughs> had them
1: fresh in olive oil too. You can get them in some markets and boy, those are good too. yeah. Right? So uh-huh. after they steamed,
0: then they you put them in olive
1: No, they put you, them in olive. But can we
0: fry them at home? Oh, they steamed. Aren't, yeah, already. but see
1: those aren't That's the difference. That's what I'm saying. When you do when you want to fry them, you want to do them fresh. Yeah. So you have to do that work part, and you'll see that in the video.
0: What in the world could we Let's just invent something right now. You know, obviously someone will take our idea, but we're just <laughs> going to put it out in the world. What could we do? A small handheld machete How about about a sanding machine? You know the sanding
2: wheel,
1: belt sander, (laughs) a A lathe. lathe. You're talking like a A lathe, lathe. like for turning wood. Oh yeah,
0: (laughs) with a chisel on the end, and the leaves go flying. flying.
3: They gotta make an adapter for the KitchenAid. It's gotta. They gotta have one.
0: You know how an apple core, yep.
1: yeah, yeah, all, I was
0: thinking of that too. Yeah. Well, you press it down and everything just falls away. Isn't there some simple well, that's device the thing,
1: that these things don't, like I said, and you'll see it in the video? Really they unique. don't fall
0: away, you've yeah. got to kind of rip them. But, and cut but you them know, off. an apple, an apple skin, and yeah. those sections don't fall away. No, but you they're have softer. to you press down, it's quite hard. I mean, you mm. it takes some strength, you press down. Many sizes of apple somehow work with that core. Why can't somebody do an I, artichoke? I think we go high
1: tech. How about laser? Mm. <laughs> right? And you just sort of burn them off. Right? Be interesting. Well, then
0: we're talking about the creme brulee torch.
1: No, I think laser because then it would cut too. you Where could, would If you, you want get to get really crazy, you can do high pressure water. You know how they can cut through wood with high oh, pressure water. Oh. Yeah, that's probably dangerous. That's yeah, probably not yeah. A good somebody's going to hurt. Lose themselves. a finger. Yeah. yeah. Nah. I just don't are know. you
0: a technician and listening to this show right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now? <laughs> is there an idea? Are you, could you come an up inventor? With? Would you please Help! write to us on us Facebook? How to do this? And tell us what is the fastest way yeah. to peel a fresh artichoke yeah. to get to the heart so we can fry them fresh? You could easily line them up in a slow cooker. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But you that's know, again; it's cooked again. But to they're, get it it's raw, cooked, right. And Chris maintains that it's not going to taste quite the same the when same. you fry it it's as raw. when it's dead fresh. Yeah. So yeah, Which this is, an is I like oxymoron this, right this, there. this is crowdsourcing.
1: <laughs> I love. You know, there are people that have done this a lot more than I, because I'm not a big like I don't use a lot of them because of all those reasons. But if there is someone out there that knows a better way than the knife, maybe there's a tool, maybe there's just a technique I haven't thought of yet. I would love to know.
2: You know, I'm
3: telling you, in all the restaurants that I've ever been a part of uh-huh. or or seen, it's always that person in the back room with the knife and the box of artichokes. Yes, yep. makes and me think. you know, and there was a restaurant in Hartford where the father of the owner would do it, and I would say, "Hey, can you show me how to do that?" And he's like, "Well, if I teach you how to do it, then you're going to have to do it from now on." <laughs> yeah. so,
0: you're like, uh, "Never mind." Well, <laughs> right,
3: I'm good. You you keep doing that. <laughs>
0: Well, is there a way – I'm trying out another idea. When you try and take the skin uh, and char the outside of a black pepper, you're holding it over the flame of the gas stove lots of times. Is there a way to burn the outside off by holding it with some kind of device over the flame of a gas stove?
3: No, I don't think
0: so. Roasted pepper,
1: you're still cooking though, right? That's the problem. You're still – Yeah, if if you do cook it, it peels much easier. There's no question. And you can par cook it so you don't have to cook it all the way through. But I'm telling you, I've tried all these things where you cook it like almost all the way and you get to peel it, but still the center's not quite the same. If you put the the
0: whole thing into a deep fryer, singe the outside and the inside, and then peel the outside off, would that work? Messy. Messy. Might
1: work, but it It would be messy. Oil would be in all the crevices and.
0: Okay, yeah. well, um, listen, An Faith Middleton thought, Fuchmus. Yes, give us ideas. On Facebook, if you have a way, the fastest way you wow. know of, to peel a fresh artichoke so that we yeah. can fry them fresh in beautiful olive oil. <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> I eat them every or, day, wouldn't you? Oh, or yeah. I would or eat go them out and every invent day. something. Uh,
1: not even just Friday. I put them in pastas. If I would use them all the time, if I could just figure out. Oh, it, I would easier. have them as my uh, go-to
0: vegetable every yeah. minute of yeah. every day. Yeah, <laughs> even in the morning, the, the afternoon, and at night. Yeah. It would be my midnight snack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> salt <laughs> and lemon juice and crispy artichoke. I love it. it. Does not get better. Okay, so we're celebrating spring foods, and we're getting right now into this book in our next segment Back Pocket Pasta with Kalou Henry these are inspired dinners to cook on the fly instant pasta from right out of your refrigerator or your pantry and this is not the weight gaining kind of pasta because the proportions meaning the added ingredients are in larger amounts than the pasta noodles themselves and yet you can have pasta every day this way it is such a fantastic thing to do we love the local please support your local food growers and food makers for on-demand podcast delivery of the show, the fuchmoose party every week and to find all of our curated food wine and cocktail recommendations, go to foochmoose.org. Backpocket pasta is next and we'll be right back.
2: On the blossom I would steam you gently show) sure devotion, dear, if only you would let me. I send to you this letter's note, my secret hope, my artichoke, my artichoke.
0: This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life in coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts and New York, including Westchester County, the East End of Long Island, the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin doyon Aiken. And to hear this show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at org. And, of course, you can talk with us on Facebook, too. Search Faith Middleton Food Okay, here we go. We're going to start with what we've been promoting all during the show I Can't Wait, and it's this book called Back Pocket Pasta. As much a mindset as it is a cookbook, this book shows how a well-stocked kitchen— And a few seasonal ingredients can be the driving force behind delicious weeknight meals. Pantry staples, a handful of items to help you up your dinner game, give you a head start come 6 p.m. so you can start cooking in your head on the way home from work or whatever you're doing. For instance, if you know that you have um, a tin of anchovies, a hunk of parmesan, and let's say panko breadcrumbs, you can pick up fresh kale to make what turns out to be from this book, Tuscan kale Caesar pasta. This is really such a good idea. (laughs) Or let me try another one. If you have capers, red pepper flakes, and a lemon, you can make linguine with quick chili oil and capers. These are kind of genius Mm -hmm. flavor combinations. That's why we like this book. Pasta should not get the deep six because people are carb-phobic. If you do your portions right, I don't mean just a little tablespoon of pasta. I'm talking about a significant amount. But up the other ingredients. You, like the Europeans, can have pasta every single day. God bless if you love (laughs) it. Okay. Let's meet the creator of this book. You may remember Kalu Henry from Bon Appetit. Her writing has appeared all over the place, including wine enthusiasts, and she is a food lover. And I think this was a great idea for a book. Welcome to the Food Schmooze Party.
4: Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be talking with all of you.
0: The book is called Back Pocket Pasta, Inspired Dinners to Cook on the Fly. I want to start with one smoky garganelli alla vodka. So this is pasta alla vodka. See this in so many Italian restaurants. I don't know. Is is this actually served in is this served in Italy or is this one of our American no, creations? No.
4: So happy that you picked this one first because I have a real soft spot for old school Italian joints, American Italian, and, and they do not make it in Italy. You're correct. <laughs> but I wanted to try to figure out a way to elevate it because people have such a soft spot for it. So. I added Nduja, which is a spicy, spreadable sausage from Calabria, and it just kind of dissolves into the sauce, and it leaves behind this really yummy, smoky pork flavor without changing the consistency of the cream sauce and, of course, the vodka. <laughs> so,
0: Kalu, let me jump in and explain to people anduya, Nduja, N-D-U-J-A. That's a spreadable salami from Calabria in Italy. Where would somebody get that? And if they can't get it... What would you, will you substitute?
4: You can definitely get it at any specialty market. I believe Zimmerman's actually and Amazon will probably deliver it to you. I think I actually mm-hmm. in a pinch have ordered it from Amazon. If you can't find it, you can substitute just regular chili flakes. It won't give you that porky flavor, but it will give you the heat that you're
0: looking for. Okay.
4: I, mean, I guess you could probably use bacon if you wanted to. But the thing about the andouille is the consistency, which I like.
0: Yeah. So the garganelli pasta is like little tubes. We'll put it that yeah. way. So let's pretend that the pot of pasta water is going and you've got the pasta in there and it's starting to cook. Now we take out a skillet, right, and add some olive oil and some onion And cook it for a few minutes, and then in comes the garlic, and then here comes the andouille. You're stirring it up in a a saute pan. Very simple. So it's about two minutes. And then you add the vodka to the skillet. Okay.
4: Yep, you have to do
0: that. In comes the tomatoes for about 10 minutes, salt and pepper, a little touch of cream. If you're a fan of penne alla vodka, you know there's a little touch of cream in it. And then into that sauté pan, you add the grated cheese and the pasta to the skillet and start tossing. And then into the bowls it goes. So there's an example of a really quick, really simple restaurant dish. Yeah. Don't forget, if you don't have that special and do your thing, you could use hot pepper if you've got a little extra sausage around. I mm-hmm. mean, you could be yep. crazy if you had pancetta. Mm-hmm. Whatever's around.
4: Exactly. That's the entire philosophy of the book. Just let your spirit be your guide.
0: So I'm glad we, we started there. Is everybody hungry here in the studio? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm getting hungry. I'm getting
2: hungry
0: now. <laughs> so I'd like to go to one. It's probably the one I order most at Italian restaurants, and that's puttanesca. I love mm-hmm. puttanesca.
3: Do you? Oh, yeah. it's my favorite sauce.
0: Puttanesca is
3: kind of the most
4: wonderful example of pantry pasta. It has capers in it, it has anchovies, it has tomato in it, all of, all of these things that hopefully, if you read the pantry section of the book, you'll be ready to go and all stocked up. Then it comes together quickly. And this actually is a recipe based on my grandmother's. So I had that as a guide.
0: So olive oil, garlic, uh, mm-hmm. some anchovy fillets that melt into the sauce. And so it's not, you know, you go to some places and they'll give you a Caesar salad and then they say, Do you want it with anchovies? And what they do is they just, Lay the anchovies on the top of the greens and I think, right. what are you doing? This is not <laughs> what this is not what these are here for. Anyway, it melts into the sauce. A lot of times you don't even know that it's there. It's a back exactly. note. Yeah. Tomato paste or a can of San Marzano tomatoes because they're sweeter and very tasty, black oil cured olives. Capers, oregano, and the linguine, some flat leaf parsley if you want. Oh, yeah. And it all, some people will add hot peppers to this as you do. Yep. Ah, oh, it is one of the best. Now, this it makes is. it hard for me, Kalu. It's hard for me to do the proportional thing when I'm eating these. <laughs> you I have know. that
3: sauce? I I'll know. have three more helpings,
0: please. <laughs> I'm yeah. it. Okay, so that recipe, I'm excited to say, is at our website, fuchmoos.org. And there's information about Kalu Henry's book. Back Pocket Pasta, How to Use Your Pantry and Refrigerator Items to Do These Inspired Pasta Dishes. Kalu, do you agree with us that the extra ingredients along with the pasta really take up the majority of the bowl? The pasta itself is more like the flavoring agent, and that way your body can tolerate having pasta every day without gaining weight.
4: I 100% agree. Pasta has gotten a bad rap over the last couple of years. It kind of bums me out a little bit because Italians have been eating it forever, and they're doing just fine. Um, but, yes, the sauce carries the flavors board and the noodle, sort of this really beautiful canvas. If your proportions are, you know, in check, then you can eat pasta. Completely agree with you on that.
0: Can we go to your next one? And this is on our website, too. Chris just made this for us, the Easter ham carbonara. I love so that good. One. This was, you said it was so easy. You watched easy. me make it. It was yeah. in minutes. Okay, it, so you had leftover ham. Well, okay. I bought a ham
1: steak, but the idea is to make this right after Easter and you have big chunks of ham.
0: But why not on any weeknight have yeah, a ham steak totally. last in the refrigerator those, for about every, 100 years? And yeah. every supermarket <laughs> carries them,
1: right? Absolutely. I cut it into half inch pieces, then I put a pot of water on for the pasta. I put olive oil in a pan and I got my ham nice and toasty and crispy chunked it yeah, up. Yeah, about half inch chunks. Mm-hmm. It was so hard not to stop there and just eat the ham right out of the pan because then they were crispy like that. They were so oh, good. It oh, was yeah, was good. You
4: a piece. I know you did. I ate more than one
1: piece. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. and,
1: I mean that's the start of it and then once you get the ham nice and crispy in a bowl you mix together what your sauce ingredients are going to be and that's a couple eggs, an egg yolk, pecorino romano cheese, a pinch of salt and pepper and you whisk it all up in a bowl. You get your pasta now that's cooked. You throw it in the pan with the ham, take your egg mixture with the cheese, and you just rapidly pour it in there and like scramble it I just used a big spoon and kept mixing it and so you're tossing 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 and what tossing you're
0: doing is trying to keep the egg from scrambling yeah. right? and I
1: put a little bit yep. of the pasta water in as well save that pasta water about a half a cup of it goes in the pan that helps keep the sauce nice and Creamy. You know not yeah and yeah. thinner so it's not so goopy with the egg
0: so the one yep. thing that's missing so far is the is, is the peas then because you add that's the peas
1: a... yeah and then some parsley and there you go and I put a little cheese on the side and uh, and we all like a little crushed red pepper flake on the side as well so we sprinkled that on top and yes we oh, yeah. to do Man, that with everything that was a good pasta
0: delightful did you like it wasn't that good oh it was so delicious Kulu, we love this recipe I'm so glad you enjoyed it Easter ham carbonara. You don't, <laughs> it doesn't even have to be attached to Easter. It is so easy, no. as we know, to go out and get one of those ham, ham steaks, steaks at yep. the supermarket. It up, you're done. It's like essentially adding cheese and peas and yeah. some eggs. Yeah, mm-hmm. adding cheese and
1: peas. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Cheese and peas. Cheese and peas. And I like it, too, because who doesn't? I always have a bag of peas in my freezer. It's one of my staples.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we go to porchetta, Pasta, which oh, made me.
2: <laughs>
3: come on. <laughs>
0: come on. I know, Mark, just for you. <laughs> um, okay, can we talk for a second, Kalu, about what kind of pantry items are you supposed to have to be able yeah. to do these kinds of pastas? That in, do you? I don't have that in no, my pantry. That
4: and that's okay. That's probably the one thing that you don't have. So mm-hmm. I put together an overview of what would be beneficial for a home cook to have. Obviously, olive oil is always a great place to
0: start. Okay. So um, that's a good idea. Let's, if you're in the pantry, a pantry it's sounds warm. so luxurious. Um, so in the in the pantry, and then we'll do in the fridge. So in the pantry, you go to Arthur Avenue in the Bronx, and you get olive oil, big quantities, because you use it a lot. And then garlic and capers and nuts and canned San Marzano tomatoes and crushed red pepper flakes, bread crumbs, white vermouth, chicken stock, salt, cans of tinned fish, white beans. Now, that's not super expensive.
1: And tomatoes, you buy them when they're on sale just because they're on sale, always. and you always have tons of them. Yeah.
0: I don't necessarily have the white vermouth, but it's not expensive, and I think I'm going to get that. Yeah. Okay. I'm a martini
1: drinker, so that's not a problem. <laughs>
2: oh, okay. okay. <laughs> always around.
4: Always available.
0: So, Kalu, let's do the what's in the refrigerator and see how we all stack up here. So, onions, carrots, and celery. Herbs, uh, you buy them all the time. Parsley is always there, basil, chives, mint, oregano, rosemary, tarragon, thyme, and sage. You know, the thing about those is in the wintertime, those can be pretty expensive because it's like <laughs> 5 or $6 for one of those little tiny packages, and then you right. don't know what to do with it after that. Sure. So, yeah, so that's <laughs> but, a little. She's got, she's got a tip but, here. Um, but, but if you have everything else in the pantry,
4: then the only, the only thing that you need to buy is the bristle of herbs, and it's still going to be an economical
1: meal. And a splurge, and it will really give you some brightness in the winter.
0: Okay, I'm going to go I with you. I vote for
1: the window box, though. Window Great boxes idea. are so easy.
2: Oh,
0: yeah.
1: And it's the only plant I can keep alive.
0: What plant you can keep alive? The herbs. The herb box. The I love. have a herb window box.
1: box in my kitchen window, the window that's right above the sink. And when I'm there, it's like, oh, yeah,
3: the herbs. And I water them. But you can go to the grocery store and they have them in the planters now. And yep. you can just put it in a window box.
0: Why am I not doing that? Okay, yeah. I'm going to do
3: that. Don't go crazy. I used a uh, milk carton. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't
0: have anything. i loving this. You used a milk carton. I used a milk carton.
3: I use the wine box. Is that Say okay? Same wine box would work too. All right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Anchovy paste. Now we're in the fridge. Anchovy paste. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leafy greens. It might be arugula, spinach, mustard greens, escarole, pea shoots, kale. And there you go. That's the fridge. And this is stocking up, and you will always have yeah. something to make. Oh, you know what? We want some tomato paste also and cheeses. Mm-hmm. we got to have cheeses in Got to have cheeses. Always have something. Have- and we yeah. must have bacon or pancetta, and we need um, butter. Mm-hmm. And so in all those citrusy things. Yeah. So that's a basic. You can kind of have one or two of these items in the refrigerator at all times.
1: I guarantee if you make five of these recipes, by the time you're done with five, you are now going to be able to just walk up to your pantry, walk up to your refrigerator, and like I do, just make a pasta.
4: That's exactly it. That is the biggest takeaway, and I want people to feel confident in the kitchen so they can do exactly that. You know, look around, see what works together, and then create your own back of pasta.
0: You, you nailed it. It is possible to do a porchetta. So, in other words, roast a pork shoulder with all those beautiful spices on it. we're talking about fennel and garlic and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, say, a Sunday meal or a Saturday meal, of course there's going to be some left over. Mm-hmm. This is Kalu Henry's idea. What... What can you do with that leftover to make the most beautiful pasta and really fast? We have this at our website. Here is how to do porchetta pasta. So explain it to me. You've you've made porchetta, right?
4: Luckily for me, I live in Hudson, New York, and Mona... Talbot, there's a beautiful cheese and meat store called Talbot Narding. She actually makes porchetta. So you can buy it by the mm-hmm. pound. And you can also in Whole Foods as well. But honestly, you can use like a leftover pork shoulder to your point. Any leftover meat would work in this situation. I ended up buying the porchetta because at the time when I was making this pasta, we were going through a kitchen renovation. I wanted to make pasta, and I brought the porchetta over to my neighbor's house. And this beautiful meat sauce evolved, and it cut down on a lot of the Sunday sauce steps that you would generally take. It was sort of my way of trying to make it simpler and more straightforward.
0: So nice. let's imagine that you have, uh, you're have you lucky enough to be next to a market that makes porchetta <laughs> <laughs> or some person who lives next door. <laughs> um, and if not, you made your pork roast. Okay. Right. So let's just say that it works like that. Walk us through it, Kalu. So the water is on, pasta's cooking.
4: You're heating oil and then you're adding the porchetta and just letting it all come together. I have a little bit of red wine in there, so you can deglaze, and you're scraping up the brown bits from the bottom of the pan. Mm. You don't want to let those go to waste, and then you add the tomatoes and the parsley, and just kind of let it all simmer together and let those flavors meld. Just twelve yeah. minutes.
3: Twelve minutes. So I got that kind of time.
4: Ketchup, but you know, it's all going to come together pretty quickly.
0: And then that pasta, when it's ready, goes into that pan, and yep. you could add a little touch more pasta water if it's a little too thick. And there you go. You sprinkle cheese on the top, and you've got porchetta pasta, and that's at our website with information about how to get this book. And that's foodschmooze.org. The book is called Back Pocket Pasta, Inspired Dinners to Cook on the Fly, and the author is Kalu Henry. Oh, what a good time we've had with this. You make me (laughs) want to have pasta every single day oh i'm so glad yeah you really do do. just you know a nice portion uh with all this stuff in it maybe i'll stop and buy one thing on the way home or on a sunday look at your book and think to myself what do i need let me get a few things in here there you go i'm set for the week Think yeah, about, I if you that. have kids, think how happy they would be. Boy, do they love pasta, <laughs> as I do. Kid at <laughs> yep. heart, right here. <laughs> Absolutely. <Okay. laughs> Everyone. Kalu, cool. Thank you very much for being on the show. I hope you'll join us again sometime. We're Thank you so much. You're welcome. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes. You know the slogan, never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.